0: Hello and welcome back to Real Talk with Mama Quadra, the podcast. You are listening to episode number three, and I'm your host, Zara Quadra, a banker by day and blogger by night. Joining me today is Marzia Hassan, who is a relationship counselor, parent coach, writer, and speaker. In this episode, Marzia talks about her journey in becoming who she is today. Asalaamu Alaikum. Wa alaykum, salaam. How is it going?
1: Alhamdulillah. It's a beautiful morning. and that I know, I know. But this is my
0: first time doing it outside. Um, you'll hear some background noises, but bear with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, same here. There's construction going on all around us, which. Uh...
0: I guess that's the sound of life, huh? Cars yeah. moving, dogs barking, birds tweeting.
1: <laughs> and we have actually so, a lot of
0: but that's good. That's good. Those are the, those are the morning noises you want to hear. Right. Okay. So thank you so much for coming on, um, giving us and me an opportunity to interview you. Um, So um, everybody knows you, but I'll talk a little bit about you. So Marzia is a relationship counselor. She's a parent coach an author and a speaker. And uh, just a few days ago, um, your new book came out, uh, which I'm really excited to, um, to get my hands on and, and, and read through. I loved um, the one you uh, did about uh, uh, The Wind Beneath Your Wings. I thought that was beautiful. Um, the illustration and all the quotes and everything, they're so relatable. It was, it was a very, very thoughtful um, book. No,
1: that was the quickest one. Like from nah. start to finish, uh, sometimes,
0: sometimes the things that you do, jaldi jaldi, are the best, right? So, uh, so tell us about yourself, Marzia. Tell us about who you are.
1: Okay, uh, where do you want me to start? So, I am, like they say, a spring chicken. So there is a lot of history. Yes. So I grew up in Pakistan, and uh, my family is still very much there. Um, I moved away actually when I went away to university. So in those days, uh, it was not the done thing uh, for especially girls, actually even boys, but especially girls to go so far from home. And uh, so that's when I sort of left, but I didn't think I really left because I would like Pakistan was still home and I would still go back, you know, every holiday and stuff like that. And um, then um, right after actually, so I fast-tracked through university and in my last year, I got engaged like in the summer before. So like I got married the same, almost the same month that I graduated, like a, a month or so later, and then moved back to the States on the other end of the planet. Oh <laughs> so my God. Like someone who never really wanted, like I loved being home. I, you know, being the eldest, I'm really close to my parents and it was uh, never my, like I never thought I would be living so far away, Uh but the world is round. I couldn't have moved any further. (laughs) (laughs) My husband at that point was living in Oregon, the US. And uh, so, yeah, I literally moved right across the planet.
0: So how did you, how, how did you find the change in your life? Right? Like, I mean, I like for, I know it was hard for me. Um, you know, we're, we, we i have grown up in Pakistan as well, born and raised there. Um, and then same thing, I got married and I moved, um, moved to Canada for me. It was like, we, we did travel, but I think that that wasn't like, that's just a joke. Right. So, and I used to think, Oh, I'm going to be fine but when i actually did the move it was hard so you tell me how was the how was the transition
1: so um obviously you know uh, living in pakistan you have uh, there's always stuff going on you know you're not really ever on your own kind of even if you like my room was right next to my parents <laughs> so the idea of private space didn't really like even now when my kids go back and they look at my room they say really you lived like uh, so yes, and I never minded it. I actually look. I didn't really, you know. I still like the concept of like private space. Like kids can walk into my room anytime, and you know, yeah. in yeah. my house, it's it's fine. Uh, so the biggest change was, I think, because first of all, okay. So I I liked my husband a lot. <laughs> <I had> a, <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> I mean, in the sense that I had a crush on him when I was fourteen years old. <laughs> he even knew I existed okay so it wasn't really like a you know raging romance or anything but uh, obviously I didn't know him you know I just thought he was cute and you know that was about it um, so here I am I you know wake up in Oregon small town Oregon right uh, where there was actually not even any other brown people uh, oh, wow. so I, I woke up Of panic. (laughs) Like, what have I done? Right. Um, And so that was my first reaction because obviously it was a huge change, right, Uh, in every sense of the word. Um, So, you know, lifestyle, uh, surroundings, friends, people like, I did not know a soul. So, if my husband did not call me from work, um, I wouldn't open my mouth. Like, there was no one to talk to. So, I think thankfully, my mom. Uh, sort of realized and she said, listen, you you know, you got to back, go back to school, like that was your intention, so so do that because I think without that, actually, I would have gone crazy. So then that's when I applied to law school and started there and, you know, once you are settled and you have something to look forward to, you are productively occupied. Uh, obviously, also, you meet friends, right, when you are in, in that kind of environment. But yeah, the first few months were challenging. I remember um, once my brother calling me, uh, he was in university on the East Coast at that time. And he called me and uh, I just burst into tears. For no (laughs) reason, there was nothing wrong. It was just, it was too much. Yeah. And um, I'll never forget that I hung up the phone and he called me back in a few minutes and he said, you know, I'm on this flight, uh, you know, pick me up from the airport. And now we're talking over 30 years ago, right? So it wasn't like resources, ease of travel, nothing was like it is now. Uh, So it was a big deal. And I I still remember the gratitude I felt. And of course, when he landed in in, uh, Salem, Oregon, and he came home and he said, what's wrong, you seem fine. (laughs) So I said, I am actually fine. Did I just fly across for this? (laughs) So, yeah, so I think, uh, you know, family obviously being so far away and no cell phones or anything, right? Yeah. So
0: they were panicking more than I was. Like I was just having a bad day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember, I remember I, when, so I, when, when I got married and I came, it, there was 10 months uh, I had to stay in Pakistan um, for my immigration. When I came here, it was November in Canada.
1: Oh, dear.
0: <laughs> it was cold it was snowing. So the first snowfall I saw, I was like, Oh my God, this is magical. And I, it was the same thing. I thank God for Ali's extended family and they really took care of me a lot, but for the most part, I'd be home alone all day. And there were days when I kid you not, I would be screaming and crying in that apartment and just questioning my decision. Right. Um, But Alhamdulillah, and we're here. (laughs) So we,
1: you know I we made two difference. though in those days um, I think the fact that we weren't on constant contact with our families was actually a good thing because I know now if my kids were going through that same thing I would be panicking a lot more and thinking you know what there's something really wrong but there's nothing wrong these are just adjustment things and if you give it time yeah. it usually takes care of itself but I think mm-hmm. as parents today we are much more panicky about our children's mm-hmm. Uh, you know, day-to-day happiness. And
0: yeah, health. yeah. I think, uh, like, I, th- now as a mother, like, Iman just went away for university in, uh, she was six hours away. Like, she was in Montreal. And she, I knew she was fine. She was living with Dada daddy Like, but that's, uh, that anxiety that I had, you know, is she home safe? Did she lock the door? You know, like, and I think about it, what my, mom would have gone through when i left uh but it was like so helpless right like you can't do anything so you just kind of have to go with the flow and at that time even calling home was like it it was expensive right it wasn't like you could now with whatsapp you can sit on hours and you're cooking and cleaning and doing all that right but uh yeah so um so so you 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 moved here you went to school and so what did you study at that time
1: The U.S. and uh, so I went to law school uh, because, again, those days, you know, I obviously I was the first generation to go to university, and there wasn't any uh, role model. First of all, you know, who do you look to? Who do you? um, So you just did things like you know, as it happened, kind of thing, and um, so. Like academics and school has always come easy to me. Like it hasn't been a challenge. And although I was like a very naughty student, uh, I, w- I would never do homework. I was always getting into but But um, I still managed to do okay. So, you know, the natural thing was, okay, what's the you know hardest thing to study if you're not into medicine law? So that's what I ended up doing and actually I loved the study of her. I really like. I loved it and um, so yeah and then while I was in law school we moved to Canada the first time so this is my second time around here but we moved to again across the continent <laughs> um, and so I started at U of like I just transferred to U of T and finished law school here but Meanwhile, I also wanted to have kids, and I remember having a conversation with my dad that I really want children, but, you know, I'm in law school. So he said, listen, there's never going to be a perfect time. If you want to do it, go for it. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's been my parents, you know, motto always, that you want to do something, just go for it, right? So, yeah, so I actually planned my first child while I was in third-year law school, which was... Wow, you're I mean, a brave
0: woman. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. So, So, as a young child, what did you want to be? Like, you know, when you're you're in elementary school, you always have this thing, oh, I want to be a doctor or I want to save lives. What was your thing? I don't remember.
1: So, I don't remember. I certainly don't think I, I definitely did not want to be a relationship counselor. Like, that was (laughs) (laughs) still well, like, not for a long time. Uh, I didn't want to be a teacher at all. In fact, it was, I mean, it's very embarrassing. But when, you know, in days when we went to school, when, you know, when people used to go into teaching, I would think, hmm, why would you want to do that, right? Being a thing, uh, never, ever thought. And I remember the first time I ever taught was uh, in London, in Madrasa. And, uh, you know, so because I was studying uh, Quranic, Arabic at that time and just taking all sorts of classes um, this i mean she's she's like my mom's age so she was just like my said listen you just have to teach i said i don't know anything what am i going to teach she said i don't care i'm going to lock you in the room with the children and I'm, you're not coming out till you teach right and i was really resistant did not want to do it but because i couldn't say no to her uh, i said fine and i started teaching and i'm and after that, whoever I would, you know, see, like who was a teacher, I was like, you guys are really mean because you don't share what an amazing thing it is to teach. Like, if you would talk about how amazing it is, more people would want to do it, right? I was addicted. Like, I was literally addicted. And teaching. Uh, yeah, so that's how I found myself in the, in, you know, in the Madrasa teacher. But again, growing up, I think I was always very uh, inclined towards spirituality. So because my uh, my Dada had translated the Quran, you know M.H. Shakir, uh, and I remember my Dadi, you know, writing because it happened before I was, and we were very young and I remember you know really feeling this sacredness right and being drawn to the book and I started reading the translation like every year you know at least once a year I would read it and I remember like like when my my khala who's only a couple of years older than me she was born on she's born Christmas like New Year's Eve right 31st so I would go to Nani's house and we would spend the, and because Nani had like a little prayer room in her house, um, that used to be our tradition, that we would spend New Year's Eve praying in that room. Wow. And so, I mean, now when I think about that that's what it was. And so I didn't really... And then, you know, maybe you do a year or two of, uh, you know, college and then you get married. Mm-hmm. That was the, the norm. And especially like if, you know, if you didn't need to work, like why would you? <laughs> so, uh, and I, I remember actually when my uh, teachers were writing the recommendations, they all said the same thing, which didn't make sense to me there that, you know, given that she doesn't need to work, her drive for, for academics is, you know, is remarkable. And I, I was like, you know, because I always love learning. I mean, that
0: was one thing. Yeah, I, I could see when I was um, doing some research and you and I went to uh, on your about me page, I was like, is this going to end? <laughs> but that's, that's amazing. Like you, you know, it's, I, I think, um, what's really amazing about your journey that I find is that you continue to learn and grow no matter what right it's uh, and and gain knowledge and and uh, and you've 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 uh, ventured from like a few different um fields but eventually I feel like it, it seems like everything played a part in making who you are today right so um so which is which is amazing which is amazing to know that you You've studied the Quran, you've done law, you've become a social worker, you're a counselor, you're a therapist, you know, all those things um, kind of, you know, give you so much background knowledge about things, right? That you can give that holistic um, advice to somebody who really, really needs it, which is, which I think is very, very important. Very important. Yeah. Yeah so then so then now you're here in canada you've had your kids you've studied law you finished yeah. law yeah so we actually
1: uh, so after you know two kids were born i so one child was born when my uh, when i was doing my final year law exams actually like 3 weeks before my uh, exams then um so in, then my husband had to move to New York so he was like commuting in between I had another child while I was doing a bar my bar admission exams then we moved to England and we stayed there for like 10 years or so so my children had their basic you know upbringing and all in uh, in just outside London then came back here what brought you back I guess now already 20 years ago <laughs> So work, it's always been, the travel has always been uh, work-related. So you and my husband changed a few careers along the way, but I never thought I would come back. So when we moved from Canada, literally like, you know, burnt all our bridges, didn't renew anything. It was like, so when we came back, it was starting from scratch. We, I mean, the only difference was that I had a passport, you know, so we want uh, new immigrants in
0: that sense. But uh, it was brand new. So you started from scratch, you built yourself, uh, finding your friends again, finding a place in the community again, um, making a house, a home. Um, so you started from scratch again. So, so again, I guess that experience is like, it's, it's never too late to start again and to start fresh and, and, you know, sometimes people get kind of really stuck in their space, but I feel like moving, um, gives you a good new perspective on everything right
1: yeah definitely I think we and this is the challenge of today right is that we overthink everything (laughs) we really do I think when we were growing up and especially when like now when I look at my parents we didn't really overanalyze anything we just did what needed to be done And now, you know, we have so much knowledge and so much information at our fingertips that it can actually be a disservice, right? Because we want to do it all perfectly. Like now when I'm talking to young people, um, you know, they find it hard to move. Uh, You know, they don't want to find people who are living away. And, um, you know, they want uh, their lives settled and unfortunately the nature of life is not settled right
0: yeah <laughs> as you yeah. know yeah and and i and i find that too like i come across people and i feel like they're not they're they play they want to play it very safe i mean it's you know you need you need a little bit of risk element in life to keep it interesting but i think people are just so careful you know how they're treading with life they they'd rather play on the safer side and I think maybe because there's so much information out there there's so much like connection I think it there's an over sometimes I find that you kind of then overthink like you just said right like people are just analyzing everything too much and so when you think too much then you just kind of stop in your tracks and you don't want to proceed right so yeah, and
1: over-connection is actually, uh, it's not such a good thing in the sense over like I know in some households, for example, FaceTime is just on, you know, Skype is just on, like yeah. they, uh, even when the children are somewhere else or uh, it's just on and so it's a never-ending kind of conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, these are some of the challenges of living in the 21st century and it's not necessarily healthy. I,
0: I was like that. I had become like that. You know, at the time when uh, WhatsApp video and everything was there, I had become that person. I wanted to stay connected because I think I really need, wanted to with my family because I had lived away for so long. But I realized that it kind of leaves me nothing to talk about sometimes. Or it's just, I, it's my brain that needs like a little bit of a break. And so I'm known notoriously in my family that I don't answer my phone <laughs> or so I realized I had to do that. I had to do that because I needed to do that for myself. And so I, I mean, I, I, I do check in with my parents almost every day, um, you know, how they're doing and everything. But yeah, I, I don't think I can be that person. I have days on the weekend. Maybe I'll be on, on the phone. I'll be catching up with everybody in the family. But I don't think I can do that every day. Like, it would just I mean, overwhelm me.
1: Keeping regular connection is extremely important, right? And phone calls actually are really good for that because phone calls have a beginning and end. With, uh, you know, with something like a Facebook video or with text messaging or WhatsApp especially, you know, so it's just a, a long... Uh, String of asynchronous exchanges
0: yeah and yeah. Uh, and, had- and, our, and our favorite family line is Aur or <laughs> so but anyways anyways it is you know um, but I love it I love being able to be so close to my parents living so far away um, I love that and, and my family my siblings and everybody extended family I love that part about it but of course there has to be a little bit of boundary um how how has your like your education background or your knowledge or your work experience shaped you as a mother
1: that's a very interesting question so i actually started studying parenting when i became a parent uh, because what i found was that i had no support system as such i was you know, in a place where I was far from family. And again, in those days, it wasn't like this. You couldn't just pick up the phone and, you know, check in with mom what to do. Right. Uh, also, things were so different. Like the way we were parented, it was a completely different landscape, right? So I started, um, I would attend like every parenting course that I could get hand off, you know, read every parenting book. Uh, and I felt it really helped me like the knowledge, the, just the, the paradigm, you know, like understanding, uh, you know, because one of the things is that when you are parenting, as you know, you're so busy with the day to day that it's really hard to look at the big picture. And, you know, it's like, you're in the forest, but you can't really see the forest. You're only looking at the tree in front of you. Right. So I think reading and, and learning really did help me. And so, you know, that was a, uh, and and when my kids were young, I was very clear. Like you know, okay, I did the crazy things about you know being in school while uh, I was pregnant. But after I finished, like I I qualified here, so I sat at the bar. I you know was working in a very fancy Bay Street law firm, like very very uh, glamorous, Ooh. and very soul destroying for me. <laughs> you know, it was. I realized like you know when I would see. You know, women in their uh, mid, late 30s, early 40s um, waiting to have their first children till they made partner, you know, staying at work till 11, 12 in the night. Like I, there were times when I wouldn't come home till 2 a.m. Because that's wow. the nature of corporate law, right? And um, I realized that that's not the life I wanted for myself. Yeah. Right? And Allah really helped because we moved away. You know, so had I stayed here, it would—it's hard to turn your back on something like that. It really is, you know. As an articling student, when they're throwing money at you, when you have an office overlooking Lake Ontario, it does go to your head. Like, there's no doubt about it, right? But you know, thank God that uh, you know. At the same time, we moved away, so when when we we arrived in London again, it was starting from scratch, right? So I actually did the bar there. I. Got on the role of solicitors,
0: and but then I decided, you know, I was just missing my like I really
1: wanted to be home with the kids.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I, I can relate to that because I stayed home um, after uh, Iman. We we had Iman, and then Mashallah, we had uh, all our kids. I stayed home,
1: <laughs>
0: and uh, um, and then. I, I got a chance to go back into the workforce and I am working corporate right now. Um, but I feel like, do I really want to continue doing that? Is that something that I really want? And I think after a lot of soul searching, I came to the conclusion that I'm at that point in my life where I can either invest my time and money into my own career uh, or I can nurture my children into their future, um, but above everything, what made makes me want to make a decision this way or that way is I want to own my own time. So at 40 plus, I feel like, you know, I, I would like to have ownership of my time. I think that's the biggest thing. So I'm not uh, bound to getting permission to take a vacation or take a day off or go see my parents. And I feel like those are such important things because, you know, I, I, that is important to me. So I know what you're saying. Like, sometimes you do kind of make the decision and I have people who are like telling me, are you crazy? Like you've always wanted to work corporate and you finally have the opportunity. Your kids are older and now you want to quit for what? And, and it's like, well, it's hard for me to explain, but I'm not a lazy person. I don't want to just stay home and do nothing. I will do something. I don't
1: think anyone would accuse you of that. (laughs) I don't think anyone would accuse you
0: of that. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I've heard some, you know, some people that, you know, they be like, are, are, you, are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. I think I want to own my time, you know, which is important because time is all we have, right? Right? With our children, with our parents. And I think it might sound a little bit narcissistic, but I want to spend time with me. I want to get to know me. I want to improve me, Right? And when I'm running around like 50 different places, it's hard to better myself because I'm not focusing on myself. So, so I think I wanna do a bit of everything. And um, so I can understand like to make that, make, to make that choice. Um, I'm gonna do um, a, a few rapid round questions just to kind of you know uh, make it a little bit more interesting. What is your favorite quote? My favorite quote? Yeah. Hmm.
1: Uh, you know, that's a really hard one to answer, but what comes to mind is when you're climbing the ladder of success, you know, make sure it's leaning against the right wall.
0: Oh, wow. Exactly what we've been talking about, right? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. If you could get a meeting with anyone in the world, who would it be and why? Oh, dear. You know, I'm, I'm terrible at these. <laughs> <laughs> you can pass if you want we can or you can maybe answer it at a later uh, time the answer will
1: come to me I'll tell you when either when
0: I'm in the shower or <laughs> <in> the- <laughs> Are praying namaz that's me All yes. the answers come at that time yes. um, what's your biggest pet
1: peeve oh there's so many uh, right now it is when people don't wear masks to be very honest oh really yeah, I find myself, and it's terrible to even admit this, but whenever I go out, I, you know, I find myself glaring. And thank God I'm wearing sunglasses, so they can't see. But I find myself glaring at people because I just think it's not about you. You know, it's about keeping everyone safe. And I'm the first one. Like I'm not really a rule keeper, but in this in this situation, like all our well-being depends on this. When people park uh, with uh, not consideration to other people, like I think it's it's when like i'm I've got this really deep sense of fairness and justice, so when people are not looking out for other people, that does that sense
0: yeah, yeah, who are you most inspired by? Hmm. Uh,
1: so many people, you <laughs> including please. So, no, really. So what inspires me is, again, people, um, you know, seeming to balance everything and, uh, you know, wanting to do more. Like I cannot imagine having that number of kids and doing all the things that you've done. Right? So I think women in particular, you know, anyone with a, with a story, you know, of things that they've overcome, I think like women, middle-aged women, I've now I have to admit that, right? <laughs> um, you know, they do inspire me because we've all survived a lot and we're still smiling, you know, we're still standing and we're still uh, going on.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, thank you. I, I, to be honest, that's the first <laughs> that I've inspired somebody and somebody like you. But I, you know, women generally, like I read a, read a, um, this. uh clip, uh, or I read this um, uh, excerpt by somebody who wrote that women are building cathedrals. And I'm going to send that to you. It is so interesting how that person has defined everything. And it's true, like every woman, you know, has been through her journey to be where she is. And some of us succeed. Some of us, you know, it's it's hard to say, but fail or, or have a different experience. So, what you, well, how would you de- define success or failure? How would I define success or failure? I think it's it's more personal, right? In my eyes, in my eyes. So, I I feel like I cannot judge you for your successes and failures, right? I think a lot of times it's us women who judge ourselves, and I do that a lot. To me, um, I feel like. I failed in this, this, and this, but I have also succeeded in So it's, I think it's a, it's a, it's a benchmark that we create for ourselves. Right. So in my own eyes, I feel like I could have done this better or why I didn't do this. So we're harder on ourselves to keep pushing us to do better as a mother, as a wife, as a daughter, as a friend, um, as a member of the society. Right. So um, I feel like we all, have our struggles inner struggles more than the outer ones because we're we're masters at putting that smile on right like it's like it's a you know that movie mask where (laughs) Jim Carrey you know so we we do that we do that all the time it's like um even from interacting with one child to the other you feel like you have to immediately you know you're stern and strict with one and you go, you literally in the next second, move into another conversation with your second child and you have a smile, you have to put a smile on your face because you can't treat everybody the same. But, but I think that's how I would say success or failure. I think it's more of an introspect on our own self,
1: right? Yeah. yeah, and I don't know. I think what I've really learned in the last few years, you know, the biggest thing that has shifted for me is the idea of self-compassion. So we are always doing the best. So I've really stopped classifying things as successes and failures. And I think my theme, uh, my current theme of life or my um, think for reflection and meditation is making peace with an imperfect life. Right. And following with that is making peace with our imperfect selves. Yeah. You know, it's so easy to uh, when we when we talk in terms of failure, like that is a very loaded word. You know, it's a really loaded word. So have I could I would I have done things differently? Many things. Many, many. Oh, yeah. things. Oh yeah, um, and and I think you know, given the situation with the knowledge and information and insight, uh, you know, that's what you do, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Even to even to the to my kids, right? Like, I, I uh, like before used to say, oh, I would use the word, oh, you did you you did this wrong, right? It's like because the awareness wasn't there, and now I always say you could have done this differently or you could have done this better this way so it's the choice of words also i find a lot of times kind of has a really deep impact i'm saying the same thing i'm Mm -hmm. saying exactly the same thing it's just the words are different now where i'm telling them yeah you know maybe you should have tried this this way or think about how we can do this better next time right Mm -hmm. and i think that that it just i I guess it teaches them to be more kinder to, to themselves because the, the choice of words is different. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I have evolved a lot. I was very, very, very harsh on myself, but now I think I try differently. I, I always tell myself, okay, you know, um, I'll try to do this better next time because we all do our best. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it, you know, here's the thing also that, being harsh, it takes a big toll, big toll, right? And and all, and again, basic academic, right? So when you look at the research on self-compassion and self-criticism, it's just... I don't to be a human much better than if you... mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm and it's a practice i don't even think it's it's um you know i always say right self development is not a project it's a process you know yeah it's a process it's a practice so so some days yes you know we manage to be kind and some days we have to keep trying you know yeah um and with kids like you know one and i didn't really and a lot of things you don't realize what you've done with your kids till they go away and come back, right? So my, you know, my daughter said uh, the other day that, uh, you know, I, I never realized how accepting we were uh, in in a house of, of not doing things properly, you know, because my, I always told them, I don't care what you do, as long as you're in action and you're doing something and you're making mistakes, I'm really okay with mistakes, right? Uh, yeah. What I don't like is people just giving up and saying, you know, forget it, I'm not going to try. Yeah. So, and I didn't realize that how much that had impacted them till, you know, till she said that, right. That, um, you know, it's not, everyone's not like that, that they're okay with, you know, with making mistakes and then you just learn and you do better next time.
0: Exactly. It's like teaching your kid how to make your bed every morning. So I, I am like a psychotic person about the bed. I really am. Once the bed is made, nobody can sit on it. It's, it's something that's come down in generations. I think it's a little, so I would be like, no, you have to fix your bed. And they they would turn around and tell me, well, you're going to go and fix it again for me. I'm like, that's okay. It doesn't really matter. And I kid you not, my 10 year old, when she fixes her bed now, it is to perfection. And she wasn't there at the beginning. Right. But I was like, doesn't matter. And so I used to go and re- refix their bed because it would give me anxiety if I would pass by the room, but I learned to stop myself. And I think it was, that was a learning for me too. Cause then I learned to stop myself and say, no, it's okay. It's it's her space. She's done it her way. Once in a while, I'll go back and tell her, okay, you know what, Sukana, Maybe you can try this or that, whatever. And now her bed is pristine, which is amazing. Which I feel like, oh, that's pretty good for you know, um, for a ten-year-old to have a you know perfect bed. Um, but I think that teaches children a lot. That teaches them that you gradually grow and. Perfect yourself, and it's not something that you just wake up one morning and that's it. I'm 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 good to go, right? So we have to, we have like there's all that learning that happens while you're raising kids. I tell my kids all the time. I think I uh, just the other day I said I who I am today is because of you guys because you guys have all five of you have nurtured me into the person I am today, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So thank you so much. This was really, really nice. Um, and we should do this again. Yeah, Maybe we should, um, I'm, there's a lot more that I would like to know about you. Um, and I know given the time right, right now, but, uh, let's reconnect again. Let's, uh, let's pick a topic, let's dissect it, talk about it. Um, but thank you so much I, for I, making time from your busy schedule. Thank you, thank you so much.
1: And we never talk,
0: got to talk about the books, but inshallah, next time. <laughs> oh yeah, we do. So no, let's let's have a quick word about that. So so Marzia has published um, three books that I know of. Um, so we I quickly spoke about the uh, Wind Beneath the Wings, and then there was um, the Parenting in the Age of Facebook was another one, and then recently, what's your third one? Because I haven't gotten my hands on them on that one. It's called Calling
1: on the Merciful and uh, this is actually it this is my project of love okay uh, this was a project that was started by my grandfather so he was, he had published this little it was a little booklet uh, with duas from sahipe kamila and doai and uh, so just short extracts and the purpose was again to make them accessible because not all of us have time to read those duas on a regular basis right and you know, 65 plus years, 70 years maybe. I'm not sure when he did it, but people still have it on their bedside. Wow. And and because of what he did, and it was in English, you know, it's it's part of my consciousness. Like I, I have imbibed those duas because they were so easy and accessible, right? Yeah. So my dad um, asked me to to because he wanted to republish it. Obviously, it's out of date. The printing, the words, and all of that so i said sure i would love to do it but you know baba you know me if i do it it's going to become a whole project <laughs> fine go for it do what you want and um, so now it's like it's a proper book it's got 120 odd or 130 extracts and um, yeah so it was it was really a labor of love like it was a tribute to my grandparents and um, Amazing and meaningful like relevant and yeah. that's what i'm hoping like if no one else if just my kids use it right uh, oh no when they're away from home uh,
0: i think so. uh, i think your grandfather is very lucky to have somebody like you who's taken his work and and brought it back to life and shared it with so many people and um like, I, I briefly had a look at it uh, yesterday, um, but I'm going to uh, obviously take my time to go through it. And I'm sure that it would be one of, you know, one of the books that you want to hold on to for sure. For sure. Yeah, that's my, like, the vision is that, like,
1: I you know I'm going to have it on my bedside, right? And next to my masala, So that, like, you just dip into it, you know, even yeah. like, if
0: you have a minute yeah. Yeah, exactly. You just open a page, and 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 that's your read for the day, right? Like, a something to think about, something to reflect on, something to learn from. So, so for sure, um, for sure. But uh, I will link um the books um on the on the on Instagram when I post the video. So thank you so much for coming on, making time, and and we must we must do this again. Thank you. inshallah okay. this was lovely. Thank you so much. No problem. Anytime. Take care. Okay. Thank you so much for tuning in to Real Talk with Mama Khwaja podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so love it if you could take a moment to screenshot the episode and share on your Instagram stories. Do throw me a tag at mama.quaja so I can see it as well. We'll see you next time with another episode of Real Talk with Mama Quadra.